you turn your Bibles to Exodus chapters 9 and 10, that's where we'll be this, this evening. I, I caught myself, Exodus 9 and 10. Has anybody seen Mayor Ben? I was just wondering if Mayor Ben was around. I was just going to talk to him a little bit. <laughs> Mamie, hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, honey. That's what I'm saying. I was going to have him come up and pray and all that. And that poor guy. Nah, he didn't answer. Yeah, thick skin. You got to have thick skin. Hey, Ben. Love you, buddy. We'll see you Sunday. Please pray for him. Poor guy. I mean, tough call. Tough call. And you got to do what you got to do. And so just a lot of grace and mercy and prayer for him and his family and and all the nutto, nut crazy people in Maryville. Poor guy. I'm one of them, but that's all right. I have my email moment and my tough call, and uh, we're all going to survive. It's going to be okay. So anyway, pray for him and his family. It's just a tough, tough time. You know, you want to be the mayor of a small town and, well... What a horrible season to become the mayor of a small town. Lifelong dream. <laughs> Great, you know. Oh, that poor guy. Anyway, and all of them. Pray for all of them. And uh, we love them and, and, and support them and, and encourage them in, um, in all their the tough calls to make right now. Uh, so Exodus chapter 9, as we talk about the rest of the plagues upon Egypt... <laughs> God has a great uh, sense of humor. I don't even know if it's humorous or not, but uh, rough. Verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. No interaction with Pharaoh on this one. That's about the most uh, glaring thing I can find in this next plague, this plague upon the livestock, was there was no conversation with Pharaoh. It was just, a, he didn't want to see him. You, you do know all the livestock are going to die, and he's like, I mean, there's just nothing documented about their conversation. So we're going to assume nothing was said or needed to be said. God makes a distinction as he has last week. We discovered that. He starts separating, you know, you guys are going to get it, but Israel's not. So that you understand it isn't just coincidence that these things are coming upon the entire land because I'm going to carve out a tiny little group of folks and territory where this won't happen, you know. And so that's why we see there later on, he says, then the uh, Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. He said, go find out if that's true. I mean, honestly, every single animal is dead. 
go see if they really were protected in this because that can't possibly be, and, and it was. And so that should have been an eye-opener for him, as, as all of these should be. But when you're dealing with the flesh, remember what's happening here. Egypt represents the flesh, the world, and Israel's being brought out of it by a, a redeemer. Okay, so we have a, we have a, a type of Christ pulling the, the nation of Israel, led their captive, their slaves to this to this Egyptian world, to this worldly system, and they're being led out of here. The gods that are holding them, the people that are holding them, the world that's holding them, and the gods that they worship have to be defeated one at a time. And that's what's happening with the ten plagues. God is slowly but surely cutting uh, uh, chains, uh, uh, ropes, things that are binding these people to this country, slowly but surely. And man, it is a tough sell for Pharaoh. He cannot buy into this. Pharaoh, who represents Satan in this story, has no interest in letting them go. These are his, these are his people, his slaves, uh, his possessions. Um, they're the most valuable asset that he has. They're building everything. Um, the rest of the people of Egypt are happy that they don't have to do these things, happy to have this free labor, and so um, they really hold on to them. And and understand that when you first come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you're a born-again believer, when you, when you make that decision to follow the Lord and, and, and you begin to cut those ties with the world, it, the world does not want to let you go. The world is not interested in you. Satan is not interested in you. You have an enemy. Satan is not interested in letting you go. Well, it's your, it's your call, I guess. You know, No, he wants to hold on to you as much as possible. And sometimes God has to do some very miraculous things in your life begins to cut you loose from certain things that are holding you in bondage to this world. And honestly, for some of the Egypt or for the Israelites, some of these ties being cut were difficult for them. Later on, as they're walking through the wilderness for 40 years, they're going to have moments of remembering how great it was back in Egypt, but they're not remembering correctly. Some of the things that God wants to cut you loose from or, or me loose from that are holding me in this world or can draw me back into this world, remember Paul writes about that, you, you know, watch out for those things that you can become easily entangled with the things of this world. They're easily entangled because they're appealing to us. Leeks and onions is what we call them. Now there's consequences for going after these leeks and onions, which is what the Israelites call Egypt and the, and the wonders that they remember of Egypt. And so they're enticing to us. They're pleading. Sin is enticing. There is a moment of pleasure. There is a, there's a gratification that takes place with any of these sins that draw us back. Nobody, nobody goes to sin because it's painful, hurtful, or harmful to them. They go to it because they're not thinking about those things. And so God sometimes has to step in and miraculously cut us loose from some things. So don't be surprised, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I, I got baptized. I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and, and all these bad things started happening. They may look bad, but that's because you don't know the difference between bad and good yet. You're learning these things. I lost my job. What were you doing? I was a bartender. Okay. God's moving you away from certain things that were, you know, oh, oh, well, then, I lost, then I lost my girlfriend. Okay. Well, I don't want to get too personal here, but what kind of gal was she, you know? Well, I met her at the bar. Well, you know. And some of you are like, I met my wife at the bar. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Let God cut those things away. 
that's what it means to surrender your life. You have to surrender it because you don't want to. Surrender means I give it up, which means I don't want to give it up. I surrender it to God. Surrendering your life to God is okay. Here you go. I love my plans. I love my schedules. I love the thoughts that I have. I've got visions of what my life's going to be. I've got my five-year plan. I've got your, my 10-year plan. I like those things. I'm, I, I like to see goals. I like to reach my goals. I like to, When you come to Christ and you surrender that over to the Lord, now there's nothing wrong with planning and there's nothing wrong with doing those things. Don't misunderstand me. But if he decides to change course from your five-year plan or your 10-year plan, can you let him? Will you give him that permission to do that? That's what surrendering it over to him. Say, oh, great. Okay. I didn't realize I was going to lose my job. <laughs> okay. This isn't the greatest timing, but I'm sure he knew that. But we have to say that out loud sometimes, don't we? Satan does not want to let the Israelites go. Pharaoh is not interested in them leaving. Bummed out about all the cattle. That was a pretty big deal. Checks to see if Israel is safe, they're fine. But even at the end of finding out the truth, it didn't change his mind. Seeing the supernatural didn't change Pharaoh's mind. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. Now, so the Lord said to Moses, this is the sixth plague, the plague of boils, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from the furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast. What beasts? That should be your question. Wait a minute. We just lost all the cattle. We lost all the animals. What beasts? So at first I was like, okay, well, two things are happening here, or maybe happening here. One of them is maybe they're talking about like dogs, cats, non non-edible beasts, you know, um, but then we go on to the seventh plague, and it describes hail knocking out the beasts that are the cattle, or that are the stock, livestock, basically. So what's the big deal? It makes no difference at all. But for me, I dig into this stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we just said we lost all of the animals with the, with, with the disease of the livestock, and now we've got boils on these livestock. What's happening here? Is this, a, is this one of those faults in the Bible? No, it's just a time thing. We have no time frame for these 10 plagues. We don't know how long it was in between or how long these 10 plagues lasted. We really have no reference. The, the last one we do, the 9 and 10 one we do, is this this thing? It's the 9 and How's that? We'll see. Between 9 and 10, we have about three months because it's documented. But for the rest of these, this could be going on for years. We don't know. How long? So whatever happened, it isn't a fault in the Bible. It just means there's a time span between verse 7 and verse 8. So anyway, these boils break out through all the land of Egypt on the beast, and they took the ashes from the furnace, just like God asked them to do, and stood before Pharaoh and Moses, scattered them toward heaven, and they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. The boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians, uh, magicians and Egyptians. But the Lord had hardened the heart of Pharaoh. That's the first time we see that. Pharaoh had hardened his heart. Pharaoh had hardened his heart. Pharaoh had hardened. And finally, God says, "Have it your way. Have it your way." 
Now, it'll come back to the fact that Pharaoh will harden his heart again, but there are moments in time where God steps in and says, okay, I've given you a choice a lot of times. You don't get a choice on this one. I'm going to continue on with my 10 plagues here. So on plague number six, he says, you don't get a choice in this matter. I'm hardening your heart because you've hardened your heart five other times before this. And so I'm going to let this one come to pass. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. And so all these poor beasts get boils. Now, that's a pretty harsh judgment against animals. I take time to do little side trails, or we call them rabbit trails when we're teaching on issues like this, because we certainly put a lot of, forgive the pun, stock in livestock. Yes, the righteous man regards the life of his animal. That's true. But if God is perfectly righteous, then we certainly see an interesting way of him looking at animals as he wipes out all the animals of Egypt, as he puts boils on all the animals other than the Israelite animals to prove a point. And besides that, there's an entire sacrificial system that God's designed That means we pass the sins onto the sins of the animals, and they all die. And so keep in mind, when it says that righteous man regards the life of an animal, it doesn't mean that he worships it. It doesn't mean that he regards it higher than a human being at all. In fact, they're pawns in God's plan here. We just need a good perspective and keep that heart right as the world will tell us to worship the beast, to worship the earth, to worship creation in any way, shape, or form. We're called not to do that as Christians and to know better based off of his word. We as Christians should never be caught calling it Mother Earth. We should never be calling it these things. We should never get into that mind frame. Of course we should be wise and good stewards of God earth, but this is what good stewards looks like. When God wants to wipe out an entire herd of beasts, he can do so. And it doesn't mean that he's less righteous than when he before he did it. So I just want us to take these moments to, to, oh, you know, for some people, this is new information. As a new Christian, this is one of those things that you grew up with in grade school, thinking and being told animals have just as many rights as humans. In fact, we have places called, what's the pound called here? I call it the pound. What do we call it? The Humane Society. There ain't a human in there. Well, there's some people in there, I guess. There's nothing humane about it. We want to be kind to animals. We want to take care of them. So I'm all for a no-kill pound. Don't misunderstand me when I say this. But to give them the same rights is error on our part. Dolphins aren't as valuable to God as us, nor are the whales, nor are any of the beasts of the earth. We're to have dominion over them. God said so. We need to have that in our hearts and understand that. Don't fall into that because the next step is to worship. It's to worship. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he didn't heed them. That's the point. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time, I will send my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. In other words, there's no other gods. Remember, he's taking care of 10 of the Egyptian gods, slowly but surely, one by one, knocking them off their pedestal. I want you to know, Egypt, that there are none like me in all the earth. 
Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. I could have just wiped you out, is what he's saying. I could have wiped you off the earth. He's done it in the past. But that wasn't his goal. His goal was verse 16, but indeed... For this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. I want the whole world to know who I am, not just Israel. I want them all to know who I am. As yet you exalt yourself against my people, in that you do not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as not been seen in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, as they shall, and they shall die. Now, that's the first time he's given them the opportunity to listen to his words and to avoid the plague. This is the first time. Everything else is, you're going to get it, Israel's not. This is the time where if you guys, even the Egyptians, believe me, you won't feel this plague. Some of them do. It says in verse 20, For he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. This is going to come in very handy later on when they do the Passover. That's not until next week. We won't get 9 and 10 until the plague, 9 and 10 until next week. But um, that's going to come in handy for them. Many people came out of Egypt, not just the Israelites, Ethiopians, all sorts, some Egyptians, all came out and went through the Red Sea. Many, many people, many different groups were saved through this because they believed God, which is God's goal. So some believed, but he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. And of course, they paid the price for it. Every single human being has a choice to follow God's word, to believe it, to apply it. It is their choice. Just like it was every man's choice to look at the serpent that Moses raised up. We discussed that on Sunday. And if they looked on it, they got healed from the viper bites. And just like Jesus said in John 3, 14 and 15, I'm going to be just like that serpent. If I am high and lifted up, everybody that looks at me, will get healed at the cross. It's every person. No one's excluded from that opportunity to believe on Jesus for salvation. Verse 22, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail, on the land of Egypt, and there was hail, fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. It's the worst they've ever seen. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. So this is a green spot right there, you know. When we went down to Joplin for the uh, to help out because of the uh, tornado down there, it was a it was really I'd, I'd never seen anything like it before. You see the when you see the videos of it on TV, it's devastating and it's it's just like that. When you when you're driving through it in person, and you literally see, I mean, as far as you can see, the swath that this tornado took 
it, it's leveled. I mean, there isn't anything standing, you know, uh, trunks of trees about this high up is all that's left, but everything else has been shredded. It's almost like they're preparing to build a new, you know, subdivision or whatever was what it looked like. It was just eerie with the concrete cleared and the circle drives and all the driveways, all the concrete was there. Parking pads, basements dug, you know, and the basements were in, but everything else was gone. It was really awe-inspiring in, uh, in a bad way, you know, just, whoa, that's a lot of power, you know, for that to happen, to see all of that. Well, that's what he's seeing. Egypt is absolutely decimated by this hail. And you know how hail piles up. You can imagine what that looked like as it's slowly melting. And then you, you look at Goshen and you can see everything's still there quite a testimony to what God can do and to protect. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Well, that sounds right. That's a confession. And the Bible tells us that that should lead to repentance. Godly sorrow leads us to repentance. In other words, it's not the same thing. Having godly sorrow is not the same thing as turning around and walking the right way. What we have here is a confession. We have sorrow produced by God in their lives and a confession of the fact that they're doing the wrong thing, but there isn't a repentance that's going to follow. It's fake. Entreat the Lord, pray for me, that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord your God, or the, the Lord God. I know it's not true. He can sense it. So, okay, we're going to walk out, and I'm going to raise my hands once we're outside of the city. But once I do that, pretty sure you're going you're gonna to back out of the deal. And he tells him that, I think, to let him know that he knows. I can see that in you. And maybe you've experienced that before. A brother or sister comes up to you and says, man, I really need to get my life right. I need to get straightened out. I mean, with all this COVID stuff, you know, with all this corona stuff, and with all the things I see happen in the world right now, and the, the book of Revelation, I kind of think, you know, I've been reading that. It's kind of weird how things are lining up and things, and it's kind of, I think I better go to church. Okay. Okay, but if COVID goes away, if things get back to normal, if there's a reprieve, if there's a peace that comes over the, the world and we start going back to our old ways again, where are you going to stand? Well, I don't need God anymore because everything is cool. You know, it's cool. That's a, that's a tough thing for someone who's been praying for someone for a long time. It's a tough thing for someone who's been asked to be prayed for. You know, could you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Sure, I'd be glad to. Sometimes these things need to be said to them. I'm not so sure you're broken yet. I'm not so sure you're where you need to be yet. It's not me to judge. I mean, I don't know where you're at. But Moses is literally judging his words right now. You know how everybody says, well, don't judge me. How do you know me? Well, Moses looks him right in the eye and says, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to let us go. I don't believe you. So Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, and you shall know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. 
of the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. They haven't come up yet. So that tells us a time frame about February here. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken to Moses. True. Happened just like he said. There's not much to add to that. That's just the way it is. Something's happening. We've got uh, three more plagues to go. We're going to get through the eighth one here. And, well, we'll get through the ninth also, but that's as far as we'll go. The tenth is next week. Now, the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. We're going to finish this. We're going to finish strong. And the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. This is for you now. I've hardened his heart. He's decided that he is not going to let you go, that he disregards me. He has no uh, respect, and he's, and, he, and he's not all the way through. Even after his firstborn dies, spoiler alert, he goes after him while they're in the Red Sea. Nothing is going to change this guy's mind. He is truly an enemy. But I want you to know, because I want you to tell your sons, and I want you to tell your son's sons, I want three generations worth of memories here. I want you to pass on your faith. What a blessing it is to pass your solid, strong faith onto your kids. And for your kids to have such a solid, firm foundation in Jesus Christ that they pass it on to their kids. You begin to see the fruit of that. And that's what he wants for them. That's what he wants for the nation of Israel. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? <laughs> that's something you don't say to someone on the throne. How much longer till you're humbled? Humbled? I will not be humbled. You know, just mentioning the word of being humbled before the Lord uh, <laughs> makes your pride rise up. It just does. Let my people go, God says, that they may serve me or else. If you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory and they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. That's a lot. And they shall eat the residue of the wheat that is left, which remains to you from the hail. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses, your houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your father nor your father's father have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. This is like that frog thing again, remember? Sliding your feet into your sheets and finding a bunch of locusts in there, grabbing onto you. You think June bugs are bad. Think of the you know the cicadas. You know the really cool looking cicadas that are. Imagine that, just covered. I mean, they're grasshoppers, but uh, just covered, covered. Sometimes we'll have years where I'll walk out from here to the barn or something, and the the grasshoppers just kind of go while you're walking, have you ever had that, you know, that season where they're like that and they grab onto your legs, you know, and they grip, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, I'm a tough guy, but I don't, I still don't like them gripping on my legs. Get off me. And by the time you're done, you can almost smell the, the guts that are on you from them, you know, from beating them and stuff. So imagine that 
Remember the smell from the frogs, how bad that was? Imagine the smell from all these things when they, well, they get blown away, but still, and the noise, the noise of all those things, you know? Ugh. And they're just eating and chewing. Anyway, that ought to get their attention, right? Nope. It doesn't. It gets his, it gets his servants' attention, though. Look at this. I like this. This is the first time he gets a little... Uh, he gets a little feedback from his guys. They're not all yes men at this point going, yeah, you tell them, Pharaoh. They, they're going to pull him aside. You know what? I'm kind of done with the plagues, is what they're going to say. They shall fill your houses. Okay. Which none of your fathers have seen. So Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the man go, or let the men go, that you may serve the Lord, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? Our economy is decimated by these things. Just let the men go. All right. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going to fill me in here? He still thinks he's in control. You know? Why don't you fill me in? Who, who are you taking with you? You know, tough guy. And Moses said, We will go with our young, our old, our sons and our daughters, our flocks, our herds. We'll go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Everybody's going, Pharaoh. We're all going. And he said, The Lord had better be with you when I let your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord. That is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. No, no, no. Only the men are going. That's what I say. God forbid I should let all you go. Guys, um, parents, fine, you're saved. But you need to let your children make their own decisions. Make their own choices. Don't stifle them with your indoctrination. Don't put your faith on them. Don't, don't, in, don't do that. That's what Satan whispers in our ears. Well, I don't want to force my beliefs on my kids. You know, that's from Satan. That's what he's saying. You, you go to your conferences. You go to your women's retreats, your men's retreats or whatever. But don't put that on your kids. Don't force them to. Just you leave the little ones here. Collateral. Consider them collateral. That means I know you're going to be coming back. Guys, teach your kids about the Lord. And by the way, it is our responsibility as parents to teach our kids about Jesus, about the Bible. It's not Sunday school. It's not Wednesday school. They're, they're getting a vitamin pill tonight. They're going to get a vitamin pill of spiritual nutrition on Sunday as well. The meat and potatoes, what they're going to grow on, should be a daily feeding of God's Word in your home. That's where they're going to get sustained. What if you did that physically for your kids? Oh, you're going to eat on Wednesday. I'm hungry now, though. You'll be fine. Our kids are being bombarded by this world 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with unspiritual food, with worldly food. Eat, eat, eat. And you've got a bunch of starving kids that need something to eat. And if you're not giving them something wholesome from the Lord, they're going to eat up the world. Don't be surprised. An hour on Wednesday and an hour on Sunday is not enough to sustain your kids. If they're eating that proportionately, they're getting two hours of real food, spiritual food, versus all the other hours combined of the worldly food that they're digesting. I can't figure out why he's not. I took him to church every, every Sunday. 
I don't know why they're not walking with the Lord like I am. Come on. We need to feed our kids. It's our responsibility to prepare a meal for them. Yeah, vegetables aren't great. <laughs> My kids hate vegetables, you know, but they eat them anyway. You know, we let them pick, you know, some, but either way, some vegetables got to go into them. They've got to have it. And no, you can't have just a box of Twinkies. You know, it's not going to sustain you. Spiritually speaking, we are responsible to feed our kids. So leave your kids behind, Satan says, Pharaoh says. Don't take them with you. You go worship the Lord, but don't put your faith on them. Don't bring them out. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb that the land, of the land, that all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land. All that day and all that night, when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. There, They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the earth, the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees, which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants, and the field throughout all the land of Egypt. I mean, they're just picking it clean, basically. Now, as you go through the book of Revelation, as you go through chapters 6 through 19, the great tribulation, where these are little tribulations. They pre seem pretty big, you know, but these are little and minor compared to what's going to happen during the great tribulation period when that begins. We'll be gone. We get raptured. We get taken away. We won't be here if you're a believer in Jesus, but those who remain will go through something they've never seen before, nor will they ever. So although they're experiencing some pretty heavy stuff right here, the Great Tribulation is going to stand out compared to this. Okay. Now, when God moves, he stands out. He makes sure that no one's going to say, well, this has always been the case. This has always happened. And to be honest with you, this current little thing, this little plague that we're going through right now, we've had worse, much, much worse. Okay. So when, when people say, I think this is it, well... Mm, I don't know. You know, I'm, I, we have pretty good history books that tell us otherwise. I, I do think it's a wake-up call. I think your eyes need to be wide open. Things are, feel strange, and we've talked about that. Politically, I don't think I've ever felt anything like this. I mean, I'm only, I'm only 50, but um, I've only been through, what, four presidents, five presidents, maybe, that I remember anyway. Um, never felt anything like this before. Um, it is odd, for sure. Um, and, and so maybe we are starting, or it's beginning to prepare, to get ready for, to go to the next, you know, um, we have this first, and then we have this, and now we're prepared and conditioned. Because sometimes when you read through chapters 6 through 19 of Revelation, you're like, how in the world can they buy this stuff? I mean, who in their right mind thinks this is a good idea and says, yeah, that's the right thing to do? You know, we kind of mock them and laugh at them. Well, they didn't just wake up that way. They were conditioned along the way to get to that place where, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Just stamp it right here. Go ahead. Hand or forehead? Well, do the forehead because my hands are always in water all day long. So do the forehead. I'll just scam when I go to Walmart or, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> no, 
Nobody wakes up and says, I think that's a great idea. I'd like that implant now, you know, or whatever it's going to be. They're conditioned to thinking that that's the best way. That is the best way. It's just interesting. So this may be step one in our conditioning to get us to the place where the next generation, or maybe in our generation, things are moving quick. That being said, chapters 6 through 19 of Revelation are incredible. I mean, they're incredible. You're never going to see anything like it. I mean, we're talking biblical stuff like when the flood kind of thing, when mountains were removed and islands vanish away and there's nothing to be seen but water, that kind of earthquake, not like Mount St. Helens or something like that. I mean, it's like, okay, continents don't even look the same anymore, that kind of stuff. So we're heading there. We're getting geared up for it. I mean, always, every day is a day closer to that day. Um, but here we are, you know, um, my grandma who born in 1904 went through some crazy stuff, you know, and you've probably seen that online where they take you through. If you were born in the 1900s until 1990, what that person who went through two world wars, several, I mean, crazy stuff, uh, the great depression, the roaring twenties, the, uh, you know, the, the stock crash, uh, <laughs> some, the, the, the 70s, the 60s, the craziness that went on there. I mean, they went through some, I mean, you talk about, the, I think we're in Revelation. Uh, grandma could have said that, you know. So when we get like the corona, my grandma would probably laugh at me, you know. I saved string, she would tell me, you know. I have balls of string we saved. I have rubber bands. We saved everything, you know. Um, you're worried about that. Keep your eyes wide open. But remember what we're here for. We're supposed to have peace. These things must happen. It's not that these things might happen. Jesus says these things must happen before the end. So I just think it's a step towards. I'm like, yay. I mean, not yay, but yay. We're getting there. It's a step closer. No, you're not going to let them go. So there's a bunch of bugs. God sent bugs, and they're eating everything. There remained nothing green. So Pharaoh, verse 16, called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God, not the Lord my God, but the Lord your God, and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord, pray for me, uh, that your God, that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Thanks for getting rid of the bugs. Plague 9, and this is where we close. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may be even felt. I've never been in that kind of darkness before. Some describe maybe being in those caves when they turn off the lights down there, you know, like a miner's cave or one of the caves down in uh, the Ozarks down there, and, and uh, they turn it off, and you're like, Ew, it's like a thick darkness. It's like I can't see anything like that. A darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days, three days of that. And when God says it's going to be so dark that they can feel it, they could feel it. You could feel it. It's just a creepy, 
I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but they could, mm, there's no peace. It's not like, oh, finally, I'm going to get some rest. It's a, uh, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. They couldn't even walk around the house. It was so dark. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. Still trying to compromise. Still trying to find that middle ground, you know. Do not compromise with the world. There is no compromise. Compromise is failure on the Christian's part. We're not called to compromise. We're called to absolutely be completely devoted to the one who saved us. Now, that's not what God said. He didn't say that we could leave those things behind. You said that. But you're not in charge, Pharaoh, and you still haven't learned. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. I don't know how many we're supposed to bring. We're bringing them all. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me, take heed to yourself, and see my face no more, for in the day you see my face you shall die. It's a threat. So Moses said, you have spoken well, I will never see your face again. Fine. I like this. This is Moses having some backbone for the first time. You know, He's like getting into this a little bit now. Pharaoh's saying, next time I see you, you're dead. He goes, I'm never going to see you again. I mean, he's kind of mouthing off back to him. I like that. I like it when Christians have backbones. We need to have spines. It's important. One of the, remember we, we talk about the different lists of the Bible of people that aren't going to heaven. Uh, this, that, or the other thing. Corinthians has a list. There's a couple other lists. Romans has a list of people that aren't going to see the kingdom of heaven, things like that. And what they mean by that is people that have not confessed their sin and repented from their sin. They may stumble in those things. That's not the issue. The issue is they don't trust Jesus to save them from that sin. One of the things in the list in the book of Revelation that they add to it is cowardice. The cowardly aren't going to go. In other words, that's a sin to be a coward. And we have no place for that, to be cowards in the faith, to tell people about Jesus, to talk to them. I'm worried about what they're going to think. I just feel so much pressure. I don't want to, oh, you'll be fine. You know, we need to have that boldness, that bravery. With meekness, just like Moses, there's nothing wrong with being meek. There's nothing wrong with being even-tempered, uh, being Bold and, and, and not cowardly is not being a, a boisterous windbag that just doesn't shut up, you know. It just means you know what you believe, and you're confident enough to calmly tell people. We don't have to raise our voices. A person that raises their voice is someone who doesn't have a very good argument. They just want to be louder to be heard. You need to know your stuff. We need to know it in a way that we can articulate it and be confident the Holy Spirit's going to give us the words at the time to share with people what they need to bring about godly sorrow, but also godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And the loving kindness of Christ leads people to repentance. He doesn't see, need to see someone who's as unhinged and unglued as the rest of the world. They need to see a peace that surpasses understanding. How can you be so calm? Well, because I know how this all works out. Here's how it plays out. Know how it plays out. Know your stuff, you know, and then share it. 
Um, when God gives you opportunities to do it, share it. It's good. Lord, we thank you for our time tonight. And thank you for these. We thank you for the plagues. First of all, you're doing a wonderful work in the nation of Israel, showing them your strength, showing them that they have a God on their side that's so powerful that even the most powerful nation in the world can't hold them, has no power over them, that the world has no power over them. And we need to know that too, God. Thank you for being strong on our behalf and to know that about you, that this world has no power, does not have the upper hand on us. We need to walk into this world like Moses and like Aaron does with the confidence in whom we trust, not in ourselves, but in whom we trust. That nothing can separate us from your love, nor can anybody shut us down until it's time. We think about the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. They're going to preach, and they're going to preach until they're done. And then they're going to be taken out, left for three or two, two or three days there, and they're going to rise again and be taken up into heaven. But only at your timing, not at the world's timing. Help us to have that kind of boldness with meekness and humility in love, sharing the truth that you've given us, that we know to be true, that we live, and to share that with those around us. Help us not to be unglued, unhinged, but to have a peace, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, love, gentleness, long-suffering, patience, kindness, joy. Even in the midst of all of this, to have that fruit is to cause people to be thirsty and hungry for what we have. They've got enough of the other. They need a place of refuge. They need a place of Rescue. Lord, help us to lead them there, to you, Jesus. Lord, bless these folks as they go today, Lord. As they leave tonight, as they uh, are chewing on the things that you brought up and, are, and, and put in their hearts and, and, they, and they're trying to digest it and to apply it, Lord, I pray that you help them. By your Holy Spirit, give them more understanding. Help us to all get it even deeper into our hearts that it wouldn't be snatched away, that it wouldn't be taken away by the world or the cares of life, that we wouldn't forget which you showed us in your word tonight. Help us to just trust you a little bit more when we leave. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good night, guys. If you need prayer before you go, please come on up. Be glad to pray with you before you take off.